0: Glory to Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, we encountered the God who abides storms, and unflinching in the face of demons, says, go and releases the demoniacs. This morning, still in the Gospel of Matthew, we encounter our Lord who, having just freed the demoniacs, crosses over and encounters a man who can do nothing for himself but is helped by his friends. And we encounter not only the Christ who sleeps through storms and is unflinching in the face of demons. but who can see into the depths of every heart first we see that our lord's reaction to the paralytic is not actually reaction to the paralytic yes he tells the paralytic son be of good cheer your sins are forgiven you but it is not just the malady that the paralytic has that has prompted our lord but it's because our Lord is able to see the faith of the paralytic's friends. The faith of the paralytic helpers are the ones who brought him to Christ. It is where we see in these friends, these helpers, that our faith is not solely directed to God. Yes, our faith is in Christ, but it encompasses all of our relations, that it encompasses how we relate to everyone, that our faith is not siloed away with just us and Jesus, but that it is effective, active, living, warm, glowing towards all around us. This is part of the reason why we pray to the saints. Jesus sees the faith of the paralytic's friends, helpers, and that is what prompts him to heal the paralytic. This is what it is for us to have faith. It is to go and act, to live, and to help others be brought to Christ. This fleshing out of this kind of faith, Paul does for us in the epistle this morning from Romans. I'm going to skip over the excellent part that Paul has. Paul was a great, not only preacher, uh, apostle, but part of that was administrator, that he constantly encourages and tells that everyone in the body has a place. And then he gives a great basic, I'll say bullet points for lack of a kind of painting of a picture of what love and action in the body of Christ looks like. This is the same faith that we saw in the Friends of the Paralytic. How does Paul describe this faith, this active, burning, loving faith? He tells us to have love or let love be without hypocrisy. I don't know about you, when I first read that line, I had to scratch my head a little bit and try to think what does love without hypocrisy mean? here's another word and other translations dissimulation does that help (laughs) well Google helped me I vetted the source at least (laughs) hypocrisy or dissimulation I know what hypocrisy is but it helps to be able to just get down to the definition double-dealing duplicity Acting in bad faith. This is the best that I found. Deception by pretending to entertain one set of intentions while acting under the influence of another. How often do we do things out of duty, begrudging, say, with hypocrisy, with dissimulation, where we know what is the right thing to do, but we don't really do it for the right reasons. Our love is to be without hypocrisy, without dissimulation, without duplicity, without basically putting on a show. When We think of Pharisees, right? Like, why are they called hypocrites? Because they're putting on a show. They are presenting to the world We are doing good things. We're praying in public, etc., etc., etc. And yet, their hearts, what our Lord sees and values, it is far from the actual actions. This is the heart of the matter. The Lord who knows our hearts and our thoughts. Because as we encounter this incredible miracle this morning of a paralytic who is going to rise up and walk what do the scribes who are surrounding jesus what do they say they actually don't say anything right it tells us they say within themselves this man blasphemes because he says that your sins can be forgiven but jesus knowing their thoughts The love that we are to have as followers of Christ has to be without hypocrisy. It cannot be that we are just going through the motions, that we are just doing things, but that our Lord and God wants not actions. He does want actions, but he wants actions that come flowing from a heart of love. He cares about the intent. He cares about what is going on in the heart. That's why he can look at the paralytic's friends and be able to tell the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, and then to tell him to rise. It's also why he is able to see within the scribes' hearts and see the dissimulation, the hypocrisy, the anger, all that is stirred up there, and be able to address them. Paul tells us, after encouraging us to love without hypocrisy, to abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. I want the kids to... What does abhor mean? Does anyone know what abhor means? Hate something. Hate something. Are we supposed to hate things? No. Wait a second. What did Paul just say? What did Paul just say? Abhor what is evil? Did he just say to hate something? Hate evil. Hate evil. Yes, thank you. You're making me get to my point. <laughs> So we are, uh, this might be counterintuitive to us, but there is a place for hatred. There is a place for abhorring. St. John Chrysostom tells us he doesn't mean just hating it, not merely hating it, but hating it exceedingly. That's what abhor means, right? is it like, I have a distaste for evil. I don't really like it that much. No, he says, hate it. Hate it not just a little bit. Hate it a lot. Abhor it. Now here's the funny thing about hatred and evil. It is really easy for us to abhor evil that's out there. That isn't our evil, right? Let's turn on the television There's whole networks built off of this, right? Let's stoke anger and hatred. But this is not what Paul is telling us to do. We are to abhor evil. And as I've been talking about, it's what resides in our heart. What we have allowed to reside and take up shop in our heart. What we have fed. What we, let's be honest, like or prefer or don't really want to deal with. But Paul tells us in our hearts, we are to give no place to evil. We are to abhor it. St. John Chrysostom tells us the reason why Paul tells us to abhor what is evil is that he wants us to purify our thoughts That we should have mighty enmity, hatred, and war against vice. Again, what are we responsible for, ultimately and primarily? Ourselves. What are we to abhor? Other people who sin? No. We are to abhor what is evil. The shackles, the things that have infected us. How do we know what is evil? Well, we need to submit ourselves to Jesus that we know what the teachings of God and the church are through the scriptures and the fathers that help us come to know and define sin. These aren't mysterious maladies that will remain mysterious. The fathers actually, you can almost, basically, we have versions of textbooks of how to handle our maladies. They're a little more. Our sins are more duplicitous and complicated that we can just look up a textbook. But it is a path to figure out and to give us weapons, that war that St. John Chrysostom tells us about. It should not be a mystery what the evil is, but it's something that we know, that we detest, that we hate. Now, this is all sounding very, uh, I'll just say negative. This is why Paul says, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. That our internal disposition is not just hatred, because that isn't really going to get us very far. It might be the spark to get us to stop doing something or to really fight. But what we really need is to cling and to love what is good. And clinging is not just the idea of good, but it is an actual action that we actually move towards what is good. Where else in scripture do you hear the language of clinging or cleaving to? What? Marriage. Right? Genesis, the book of Genesis, what does it tell us? That a man is knit to woman... And it says that he shall cleave, he shall leave and cleave. You've probably heard this before, right? That he is to cleave to his wife. This is the metaphor that Paul brings up, and it's what St. John Chrysostom echoes when he comes across what Paul has said. That we need to be wed to Christ, that we need to love and cleave to him, that we need to learn what is good by definition what Jesus has given to us. we We do not let the world, TikTok or algorithms or whatever, teach us what is good and what we need to be focused on, but that we are wed to him, knowing him in the scriptures and the tradition of the church. There's a lot of practical tools that we have and learning how to abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Baseline confession is one of those places that teaches us and that is a basic good for us. It is the training grounds. It is where we are declaring the things that we want to hate if we haven't got there yet, that we detest, that we also, on the other hand, want to love the things that are good, the things that we are missing, and that we can begin again and again through the act of confession. As we've been talking about this abhorring what is evil and clinging to what is good, all of this, of course, flows from our hearts. And it is this clinging to Christ, this momentum of love and cleaving to him, holding on to him, that this overflows to the brethren. This is why Paul tells us, after we cling to the good and abhor what is evil, that we be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. How often I hear about, or even see, loneliness and hear of disconnection and alienation. I don't have to just hear about it. You can just look. Go to a restaurant and look around and see how many people are looking at each other in the face. What is typically going on? Phones, 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 phones. We just stare at phones all the time. St. John Chrysostom tells us, Do not wait to be loved by another. But leap at it yourself and be the first to begin it. Put away your phone. Cut your subscriptions down. Or cut them all off. Seek other people. If you want to be loved, start the path of loving. As St. John Christian says, do not wait to be loved by anybody else. But you yourself leap and be the first to begin it. St. John Chrysostom talks about how this kindly affection, there is a warmth, an intensity, a glowing that comes from a Christian burning with love for Christ and that love that overflows to all of the brethren. This is not cold, this is not abstract. This is not distant. All the words of St. John Chrysostom are like your beloved aunt who just in, enra- you know, at the family gathering just wraps you up. That is the image. Maybe you don't have an aunt. Think of somebody <laughs> in your family or someone that you know who just exudes this love. That is the goal for all of us. Intensity, warmth and glowing affection for those. He goes on to tell us that we should give preference to one another with honor, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is, I think, kind of counterintuitive to us. We really struggle as a culture with truly honoring people. We might have a... a, A to do or something. It's not about just being nice, but to truly honor, to give respect, to give right fitting praise and encouragement. This is what Paul tells us to give to everyone in the church. That we do not lag in the diligence of seeking how to give honor and preference to others, because in that giving honor, we are serving the Lord. This kind of love that Paul has been talking about, this warmth and affection, this giving preference and honor, is exactly how we are able to rejoice in hope, as he tells us, to be patient in tribulation, and to continue steadfastly in prayer. These are very hard things to do, to rejoice in hope. To know that we have hope in Christ. To be patient in tribulation because of that hope. And to continue steadfastly in prayer. This is what cleaving to Christ produces. Hope, patience, steadfastness. That's how you get that warmth, that affection that desire to actually honor others instead of constantly looking for yourself and how am I going to be honored? How am I going to be loved? No one is doing this for me. Paul and St. John Chrysostom tell us, you yourself start that path. This is why we're able, as Paul tells us, to be able to distribute to the needs of the saints, to give, be given to hospitality. That it's not just Uh, an empty warmth but it is something that actually comes forth from our wallets and from our homes and all of this sounds very lovely until there's conflict or trouble that's why Paul in his wisdom tells us bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse when you start out on this path Of loving, or you are restarting for the thousandth time to go out on this path of love. You are ready to bless those who do not receive the warmth, who instead curse or create trouble or chaos for you, that you, like Christ, are able to bless, that you are able to pray for your persecutors, that you are able to forgive. We cannot be saved alone. We are only saved together. Our brothers and our sisters are our lives. We find Christ through them, in them. Christ is not sequestered away somewhere else. He is actually present and available to us in everyone around us. This starts, of course, deep within our heart Churning as we do at the beginning of baptism. What do we do before, after the exorcisms? We turn and we spit on Satan. We abhor the evil. And then we turn around and we adhere ourselves to Christ. We cleave to him. This is going to manifest itself not only for love for God, for the good, but for others. Christ sees the faith of the paralytic's friends, he also hears the murmuring of the scribes. Have your heart be like the paralytic's friends who in their love for him and for the good brought him to the very feet of God that he is able to heal, to raise up and to forgive our sins. This is the way. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.